Hello listeners and welcome back to our third installment in our journey of why media matters. Today we'll be discussing video games and why they are of fundamental importance to world culture. On the show today is the former manager of an Overwatch esports team, Tavish Clark. Before we get into our interview though, there's a highly common misconception that exists in the world of video games that I want to talk about first. This is the idea that video games cause violence. To state the fact, plain and simple. It does not. If anything, it diminishes violent tendencies in individuals. According to a meta-study done last year, there is no correlation linked between the playing of violent video games and aggressive behavior. This was a long-term study conducted over a year period on the aggression of individuals who play in high-stakes FPS or first-person shooter games. All of this being said, as we move into our interview portion of our episode, it is important to keep in mind that some of the games that come up in conversation will be a part of this genre of FPS games. So, without further ado, please welcome to the show, Tavish Clark. So, Tavish, thank you very much for joining me today. <laughs> thank you very much for having me. Uh, can you describe what your experience in playing it at... Uh, semi-professional level in esports is like um there are many ups and downs to it i started my uh, esports career when i was 14 playing a game called counter-strike global offensive csgo very CS- good. yes it, very good game i still can't play much of it today because uh i'm a has-been so to speak in that realm but uh experiences with it are very different from one another so there are many ups and downs to it and starting out young is sometimes very good, sometimes very bad. And I mean, your, mo- your most recent esports endeavor was playing uh, Overwatch, correct? Yes, I was playing for uh, Oracle Hydras until I retired from being a player to be a manager of that team, from which I quit after about four months. Is there a reason you quit after so soon? or? Uh, I quit mainly because... The people were extremely hard to deal with. It was extremely mentally strenuous. With uh, When you're dealing with people who are top 500 in North America, they have extreme egos. So trying to get them to listen to you or do what you want them to do is extremely hard. And especially when their age ranges from 15 to 20. So they're essentially children uh, making lots of money trying to corral them and they all think they're the best in the world yeah that seems like a very difficult experience i'm sorry you had to go through that um <laughs> sorry so i mean you've obviously heard the connotation that video games cause violence right you've you've heard yeah, of this yeah of course um what do you think the reasoning is behind that like even to this day, still so many people believe that video games are like the leading, the leading cause of violence. Uh, there's, there's no substantial proof behind that. Video games by themselves can be construed as violent, I would say, but causing violence, I would not say so. Um, in the realm of esports, video games can cause a lot of things, including mental issues, but that's a completely different subject, but I never have seen it cause violence in all my years. Well, I mean, that's that's exactly what we were going for. I mean, it's definitely... There, there really is no link between violence and video games. I mean, there's a link between mental anguish and video games, but that's a whole different ballpark. Um, why do you think video games as a media 
have brought so many people from around the world together. Well, when you look at, um, let's take for example, the, um, the last Super Bowl, it pulled in around two mil 200 million people watching it. And the last major League of Legends tournament pulled in around 600 million people watching it around the world. So when you have a event that brings people not just in America, but around the world together, that's how video games can bring people together. And through my own esports experience, I've played in tournaments in Germany, Russia, Ukraine, Britain, France, Korea, and through all those experiences, I've met wonderful people who I still are, am friends with today who I'd never have met if I was just working at 9 to 5. Wow, that is, that sounds like an amazing experience to have just as a player and, I mean, as your friend also, like, that just sounds like one of the most amazing experiences to have. It, it is an amazing experience, but it definitely has its ups and downs when esports, yeah, it, if you want to become professional in esports, it has to become your life. And having it become your life kills any joy you have for the game itself. And once you start getting paid for something you enjoy, it doesn't become something you enjoy, it becomes a job. And once it becomes a job, it slowly becomes something that you loathe over time. I can definitely understand that. It's like uh, when you're working on a project for a really long time and after there's this barrier that you hit and it's just, I don't like this project anymore. Exactly, yeah. And especially with esports, there's no guarantee of pay. Or, well, when you're starting out, unless you're getting a salary through that contract, you're not guaranteed anything. A majority of the contracts are based off of uh, earnings and winnings from tournaments. And those are entirely performance-based. That, that definitely makes sense. And that is really unfortunate to hear. I mean, of the esports athletes that I know of, I never thought it would their contracts would be based off the amount that they win. I thought it would just be like a standard, this is your salary, this is what you get. When you get to the top, top professional level, that is how it is, and then you get bonuses along with your earnings from tournaments, sponsorship bonuses, and all that. But for example, me and a bunch of my friends, when I first started out, got stuck in contracts. Because when you get to a higher level of video gaming or esports and you start signing on with teams, they're based on time. So I signed a one-year contract with a team called uh, Excelsius for e or CSGO. And it was a one-year contract. So I played with them for about three months, did fairly okay, but hit a rut, underperformed, and I was benched for the remaining for about seven months. They would not release me for my contract, so legally I couldn't play for another team to make money. So since all my earnings and income came from tournament winnings, I couldn't play in the tournament because they replaced me and wouldn't release my contract. That, that just seems awful. Like, <laughs> I mean, as far as just, I mean, it's it's essentially esports has become the new professional sport. I mean, it's. If you have an underperforming player, you you keep them benched, and I mean, that seems to be what's happening in the esports world right now. But we digress a little bit. I want to steer this back to our discussion of why video games matter. Oh yeah, yeah. Not why esports matter. Fair enough. Um, 
So, in the grand scale of video games, with at-home consoles becoming more and more of just an absolute staple, do you think that the arcade is failing? Like, the model of an arcade is no longer sustainable? Um, yes, actually. Like, arcade, I love arcades. I used to go to them as a kid with my father and all that. So, so did I. Yeah. I mean... Bloody love them. I love playing Galica, Pac, Miss Pac-Man, all that stuff on an arcade. But now you just go there for the environment because any child can get emulator on their computer or get a little device that does the same exact game for like five bucks at Best Buy. So there's no true incentive besides the environment around you to go to a real life arcade now. Do you think that eventually just regardless of how much nostalgia there was that arcades are just gone i wouldn't say they're just gone there's got to be a few crafty people who will go through the process of diversify or die which is a common marketing thing for uh, businesses and sectors that are underperforming or slowly becoming extinct they have to add more so they don't go into well they don't disappear so there, there are ways for them to save themselves, but for I haven't put much thought to it. I mean, that's exactly what Dave & Buster's is doing right now with being the only real arcade left. They're, I mean, they're constantly updating their games. They're adding new experiences pretty much weekly. It's... Dave & Buster's is a very good example for a large chain trying to diversify or die. And they are, from my knowledge, succeeding at this moment which is hard to say in the current environment we're in. I mean, yeah, that, that, that definitely makes sense. I mean, as far as we were just talking about. So I have just one final question for you. And it regards the changing world of video games in general. Um, have you read the book by Ernest Klein or seen the movie Ready Player One? Okay. Ooh, I have a lot of strong feelings about that one. Read the book, yes. Abs one of my favorite books of all time. Movie. Oh my god. No, I'm not even going to get started on that. So, that's fine. But, do you think with the constant update to the graphics quality in video games on pretty much a weekly basis now, I mean, Unreal Engine 6 is already in development. Like, do you think that eventually the world of VR games is going to start to become indistinguishable from reality itself, all of Ready Player One. Well, I do, it's a natural order of things as time goes on, graphics will get better and one day, hopefully within the next 20 years, we will see that video games are indistinguishable from real life. And that's a personal hope for me because a lot of gamers probably like you and me, Avi, use video games as an escape whether it's in many others out there use them as escape for their mundane life their own problems to be someone who you always wanted to be and that you are never able to do in real life so having that as an outlet opportunity would be absolutely massive for the general population of the world and opening whole new doors to a magical place and where people connect with people they never thought they could that's, that's definitely an amazing response. Um, 
I do want to thank you for coming on once again. And on a side note, I just have one personal question for you. But, I mean, what is your personal favorite video game of all time? Oh, God. Um... Like, just absolute all-time... All... Any console, PC... Probably... I gotta say... Uh, Diablo 1. The very first Diablo. Because that was my main introduction to video games. And when I was a little kid, my dad would link up three computers, and me, my brother, and him would play uh, Diablo all the time as kids and that's what really introduced me and got me into video games but there's many out there my favorites have come and gone but that one remains it will always have a special place in my heart that's honestly Diablo is an amazing game series um, I look very much forward to seeing if they decide to do a Diablo 4 no. Honestly, I, I don't like the new Diablos. No? No, I can't stand them. They, they have a completely different feel than the very first. The first and second were probably the best. I was mediocre on the second one, but the first one was tried and true, in my opinion. And the sheer difficulty behind it was something I loved. Well, for me personally, I mean, my favorite game has to be the first one that I played, which was Pokemon Ruby for the uh, Game Boy Advanced back in 2005. You didn't even start with Fire Red? Come no, on. of course not. Fire Red was better. <laughs> Regardless. Um, Tavish, I want to thank you once again for coming on this, being a part of this journey through why media matters and having your insight as the former GM and a former player of Oracle Hydras of the professional team yeah. has been exceptionally helpful to expand the view of my listeners and myself. So I do want to thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Always a pleasure, Avi. Alright. So from this interview, what can we take away? First and foremost, the world of gaming is an extremely difficult one to break into. It's not only hard to get into, it's also one of the most expensive hobbies to enter into. However, if you're willing to put in the time and the money, this hobby could eventually become a career. This is why video games matter. It's because it can be more than it was first meant to be when video games first came out. In an ever-evolving technological landscape, Video games continue to thrive and evolve in this landscape to become a household name. So that's why video games matter. It's because everyone knows what a video game is. Everyone knows why they are important. But not everyone understands why they hold so much value in so many people's lives. This has been Why Media Matters, a limited series podcast on the exploration of media's foundational importance to world culture. As always, I've been your host, Avi. Have a pleasant day. Next week on Why Media Matters, we'll be discussing the importance of social media with our guest, Ashley Wheeler, the director of social media for Harvard Business School. Thank you for tuning in.